Hello and welcome to From the Be All End and we're looking ahead to this weekend's uh, Premier League trip to Fulham and with the festive season coming up as well we've decided to have a little bit of fun. We're going to be going through around the panel talking about our all-time Burnley favourite 11. Not the best 11, our favourite 11. We'll get into that in a bit. Uh, no Justin with us today but I've got Andrew Greaves, Chris Borden and Paul Woodhouse with me. I'm Simon Evans. And let's look ahead to that Fulham game. So a chance to bounce back from the disappointment of that game against Everton. We say that, but it's a tough one, isn't it? Uh, Greaves, it's, Fulham's form is pretty incredible of late, isn't it? It's a weird one. I, I was Fulham away is one of those games where you, at the start of the season, you look and you kind of think, they're the games where you beat them at home, get some away, and you're probably going to be all right. But they are a bit of a strange side because they, they run a, a decent start to season. Then they went on a run where they were, you know, couldn't buy a win. Um, and then they went on a bit of a run where VAR seemed to be gifting them wins late on every game. And then I just, it's one of them. I just, I don't know what, we're, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, from a, a, a team selection point of view, I presume he'll stick with what he's got and bring Charlie Taylor back in at left back. But the festive period's just weird. Liverpool on Boxing Day feels like, to me, the next game. This Fulham game on Saturday is just kind of completely passing me by. It's that because it's the day before Christmas Eve, it just feels weirdly just wedged into the schedule. But from a, a, a playing point of view, God, if we play like we played against Everton, they'll take us apart. If we play like we did against Brighton, we could nick a you know, we could nick a point or more. Um Yeah. I, I really don't know what to make of it, to be honest. I'm looking at the BBC's preview here and it says Fulham have won five nil in their past two Premier League home games against Nottingham Forest and West Ham. There have been three occasions in the competition's history of a team oh, winning by five oh. plus goals in three in a oh. row at home. So yeah. It's a, it is a tough... I mean, the, to be fair to Fulham, you know, and, and company was saying in his press conference, everyone talks about Brentford and Brighton as being examples of teams who've, who've done well to build up and establish themselves in the Premier League. Fulham don't feel like they're in that category, but they sort of have done in a way, haven't they, Chris? A bit? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd say to be fair to Marco Silva, he, he's one that I've sort of uh, had a bit of a pop at down the years. Me too, you know, yeah. sort of being like, like the Emperor's new clothes. I kept wondering why he kept getting these... Uh, high-profile jobs, despite, you know, his record not being fabulous. But, uh, he, you know, he, say he, got, he got them promoted in, in real style you know, and, and uh, say, kept them up with, you know, with no, no scares at all last year. And that looks again, you know, I, I say I'm one of those who kept thinking they might get dragged into it and recent form suggests not. But uh, I'm just looking at the... So it's going to be one, you know. Burnley, hopefully, you know the way the way Vincent likes to play, he's going to go and want to want to want to dominate the ball. But 
I was looking at the, the, the six Premier League wins Fulham have had this season have come in the six games where they've had most share of the ball. So that might be that might be important. But then looking at that, to get the ball more often than not, you you you, you know you got to you got to win it first. And five of them Fulham wins have come when they've won more than fifty percent of the duels in the game. So they've been dominant in the tackle as well. So that might be the area on the back of Saturday when I don't think Burnley won a tackle. But you know where they, where they might be get me found uh, found wanting. What are you, what are your feelings going into this one? It looks like they're quite rampant at home, doesn't it? You know they've had, like you say, two five nils and scored three in the last two. Besides, even three against Liverpool. So it looks like they know how to beat bottom half sides, which obviously we fall into. Um, I think it might be quite entertaining. Quietly away. The the Christmas thing is always is always a nice little factor, and um, we're either good. It's one it's one of those again. We're either going to get a, a sound drubbing, or I think it'll be a a, a free for a, a free scoring goal fest of some description. Mm. Mm. Sounds intriguing. I mean, if it comes to goals, uh, Greavesy, we've got Lyle Foster back in the picture. Somewhat lost in the misery of uh, yeah. that Everton performance was the good news that Foster was was back earlier than really we expected, and not that we'd been given any timeline on it. But it sounded like, especially when Vincent was saying he's not going to African Cup of Nations, he's he's got lots of rehab to do and all that kind of stuff. And then suddenly, a few days later, he pops up on the bench and and, and comes on in the second half. Do you think he's going to be tempted to uh, start with him? Yeah, I think he will be. I think he's he, he he was a bit of a focal point in that second half in terms of when we did try and get the ball up. He's a bit more muscle. He's a bit more mobile, perhaps than Jay. Whether he's ready for ninety minutes, and I think Vincent said that was what forty-five minutes was what we could get out of him at that point. I mean, he's a fit lad. Um, he 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 got himself in good shape in the summer, and you know we know how quick he is. I, I do wonder whether if we could just get him to bully fullback, uh, centre-back, sorry, a bit more, whether that might be that kind of unlocking of some of the other players just behind him. I think yeah. I'm doing a, yeah, that kind of player where the, the really frustrating thing, as we said in the debrief on Monday against Everton, was we didn't really bully Michael Keane and, and, and Tarkowski either on the deck with speed or bully them in the air because we didn't really have the players to do that. I, I think Fulham's defence is probably more, you know, we could probably get at Fulham's defence a little bit more, but it will need somebody like Foster to kind of get that muscle in there and, and to really um, stand firm against them. Um, I personally would throw him in if he's mentally ready to go in, because I think probably, as Vincent was saying, kind of having that small world around him and him being around play, people who he trusts and he takes comfort from. I think actually the, the hardest step was probably that second 45 minutes against Everton, actually coming back on the football field. Now, he can't be, you know, he can't fail to have noticed the the incredible reaction he got from the, the, the crowd at Turf Moor. I just wonder whether that will give him that extra little bit of a boost and he'll be chomping at the bit to start that game and... um you know, if we get an hour out of him, so an extra 15 minutes, fantastic. I'd be starting him, though, me. Yeah, I think I've always thought if players are fit enough to do, you know, 
50 minutes to an hour, you, you should start them if, they, if they're key players like that because, you know, they can always go a bit longer or they can always come off earlier. And with five subs these days, if he comes off at half-time, it's not the end of the world, is it? But that first half, just establishing a bit of authority over their defence might, might prove... Uh, quite crucial any other team selection things do we expect boards do you think there's well, to be I'm a just sitting for but just I'm just looking at the Fulham side of things obviously I mean their main man Jimenez is suspended which is a major boost I think he'd scored sort of four in five before a bit of a kung fu kick on, on the Sean Longstaff at Newcastle so crazily I mean he, he'd done a decent job filling in for uh for Mitrovic, who they obviously sold in the summer, but no, from Burnley's perspective, it's again we, we, we've we've been quite happy with the shape up until uh, up until Everton, and you know, you know, fairly fairly happy with the personnel. But you know, if if Goodmanson's not available, and uh, I say, I don't I don't know what what more he can do at the moment. If he if he got you know he's going to play Odebear on the left, like I said. Does he go with Foster, or does he just go with it? You know, with with, with the tried and chest, tested with Jay. It's uh, I say it's toss of a coin, isn't it? But he obviously he'd seen enough on Saturday to to take Jay off at half time and uh, give Foster his head. So surely he's you know he's he's up for starting at at, at Fulham. It's a, it's, only question is, do, I mean, do you tamper with the the midfield? Do you you thicken that up there? Bring, bring a calling him. Well, I say I didn't think he was as bad as people made out. Oh, you know, he'd fed a couple of decent balls in the area, but uh, centre forwards weren't dying to get on the on the end of really. It's, no, it's uh, it's just it's it's, it's going to be one of those. We we really have to be aggressive on the front foot and and take the game to them. So. I'd be quite happy with the same system, to be honest, as long as they play in that manner that we'd seen previously to Saturday. I think that's a logical message, isn't it? If your company to say, right, okay, we slipped back against Everton, I think everybody would acknowledge that. Slipped back into some bad habits, didn't do some basics right. But look at those three or four games before that where we had been improving. If you're the manager of that team, you'll be saying to them, right, forget about that Everton game. Go back to playing how you played at Brighton, uh, how you played... uh, in those other games. Woody, would you tinker a little bit with things? No. <clears throat> no, I agree with you 100% there, Simon. I think Ev- Everton are more of a, a freak side that we're going to be playing against this year and the Fulhams of this world. Uh, things that we can have a, at least a, more of a, a competitive dash against. And I could, I can see it being a quite an entertaining, free-flowing little game. I really can, and I hope it is. And I think we can, I think we can get something out of it. But um, I wouldn't take too much away from Everton. Right, so... I agree. Well, let's see. We can't. Uh, we're not doing any predictions because that doesn't bring us any luck, apparently. So <laughs> we're not doing that. Um, what we will do, though, before we quickly go to our festive fun feature, is to uh, a quick update. Greavesy, the 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 noise that was made about um, the Everton fans in the uh, Burnley section and the trouble that was caused. Uh, and we also saw there were reports of Everton fans uh, wandering around the changing rooms as well, which seemed a, a bit of a, a security lapse. Any any update from the club? With, there was some sort of statement, wasn't there? A sort of non-statement statement, it seemed. But well, what, what's what's happened on that front? Any Anything to update us with? 
Yeah, they're 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 going to introduce rigorous steps following their internal inquiry. Uh, the people responsible have accepted responsibility. So Bobby Ball's got his braces back uh, for this weekend. He's uh, he's accepted his responsibility according to this this non-statement statement. Um, the rigorous steps, I'm guessing, judging from the wording, is is we're still going to let Liverpool fans come on Boxing Day, but we're just going to be a bit smarter with where we put them and how we put them. Um, I think they might be a steward sat on the end of the road, just kind of saying, "Calm down, calm down." Um, in a non-scouse accent, I should I should say <laughs> we don't want to go all Harry Enfield, do we? But um, so I'm not expecting any change in the role behind me. I'm expecting to hear lots of uh, blending law and all the other sentences ending with law that the scousers can squeeze in. But yeah, very typical. It took them a hell of a long time to get a statement out acknowledging that there were issues. Um, and I, I felt like a bit like the pre-Christmas Grinch by just keep bringing it up and keep retweeting and and filling Bobby Ball and Alan Pace's timeline with um, with people's complaints and whinges. But um, we got there eventually. We got a, a statement saying they're going to take steps. What those steps are, I don't know. Right. Okay. Well, we'll rock on then. Um... <laughs> It reminded me, remember the Liverpool away kit that they advertised in the mid-90s? The yellow away kit. And they had a, a load of guys in the black curly wigs with moustaches in the stand with this yellow away kit. This... <laughs> oh, lovely. Not a stereotype at all. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right, all-time Burnley 11. And it's an all-time Burnley favourite 11. So let's just make this clear because we, what we want to do is go through this and then um, if you want to react to it by sending in your all-time favourite Burnley eleven on social media, we'll talk about that a little bit on Sunday and we'll certainly share it on social media as well if people want to send them in. The idea behind this was just for a bit of fun at Christmas and just to cheer herself up after defeat after defeat. Not the best Burnley eleven of our lifetimes necessarily, but... One's players that are our personal favourites in each position. Um, and you can like footballers for all kinds of reasons, and we will have reasons for these decisions as we go around. Justin's not with us today, so we're going to do Justin's bit after uh, when we do the debrief on Fulham, and we can also throw in any interesting uh, choices or points that have been made uh, by you, the listeners, on social media. But let's let's get underway. None none of us have swapped notes on this, by the way. We've all done this independently. So if any of us end up with the same choice, if for some strange reason I doubt it'll happen, we end up with the same four four of us coming with the same player for a position. It means he's a real Clara's favourite because we haven't swapped swapped notes at all. So let's get underway then with goalkeeper. We're going through it four four two in position. And then we'll end up with who's going to manage this team as well. So let's start off with uh, Greavesy, who's in goal, your all-time favourite Burnley goalkeeper. This has been really tough. Um, I've gone for Marlon Beresford because, for me, Marlon was the one that kind of, I don't know, he had the best kits. He was like an impossibly good-looking bloke, and I think he's still quite impossibly good-looking. <laughs> and he was, for me, he was just a brilliant goalkeeper. So I've I've gone with uh, 93-94 season, Marlon Beresford. He was a really popular keeper at the time, wasn't he? I'm sure a big... I had a fanzine named after him, of course, Marlon's Glove. That's right. Fanzine. Yeah. We don't have any of them anymore, do we, unfortunately? Yeah. 
I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. Well, podcasts are the new fanzines, aren't they? Yeah, of course. So, of course. <laughs> but yeah, but, uh, Marlon for me. Marlon for me. You twat. <laughs> Woody, who's your goalkeeper then? Same. It started already. Oh, Marlon. For, for pretty much the same reason, but I'm going. I'm going championship season, Marlon. Uh, just for the fact that you know when we had five keepers that season, we'd had Chris Pierce, and just going from that side to almost seeming like a, a Hollywood footballer, he was head and shoulders above anybody else that we'd seen up until up, up until I'd seen up until that point. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it was something else. And I also and I've also tried to do this by looking at who could Vincent currently play around with, and he might be all right in a modern framework. I think he could play with a ball at his feet. Yeah, interesting one. Yeah, I no. Could. I mean, the, he he was hugely popular. I mean, Pierce was popular for his dancing, weren't he, more than anything. Yeah. Like, but um, and then there was Andy Marriott, wasn't there? Who was on loan, yes. who became like a cult thing. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know how many. He probably only played twenty games for us or something. But it mm-hmm. seemed like he was like massively popular. Sign Marriott, sign Marriott. We're going to be uh, sort. I got him to sign. I got him yeah. to he signed my bo- signed my box of uh, Regal twenty box of Regal at uh, Derby for the second for you know the uh, the replay of the abandoned replay. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. When the Jimmy Mullins Claret and Blue Army went on for about three weeks, it was a Guinness record. Uh, Jimmy Mullins Claret and Blue Army that <laughs> one, wasn't it? Yeah. So who's your keeper, Chris? Tom Eaton. Just uh, no, I mean, you, you can debate till you're blue in the face about who's the better, you know, him and him and Pulpy in the modern uh, the modern era. But just like, I, I, just having having spoke to him and dealt with him all those years, just one of the nicest fellas you'll ever meet in football. Uh, didn't couldn't have enough time for you, but it was just a, like a, quite a nice tale that his dad was a Burnley fan, wasn't he? And uh, it just sort of you know yeah. he was supposed to sign for Sean. At Watford, and it, I mean that that obviously fell through when uh, the Potsaws moved in there. But you know he kept kept faith and kept his eye on on uh, on Tom and made sure uh, he brought him in ultimately. And for you know say a free a free transfer, one of the greatest goalkeepers in Burnley's history. You know first England international in like you know forty odd years, and an all round thoroughly nice fella. And uh, yeah, he just just a top man. Love him. Yeah. I went for Tom Eaton as well, so I don't really need to add much more to that, really, other, other than to know, you know, that impact he had when he came back into the team after mm-hmm. uh, after Joe Hart's uh, brief interregnum uh, in, in, the, in the goal. Massive and impact probably, he made. And probably that performance of his at, at Old Trafford, the, the greatest best, yeah. performance by a Burnley goalkeeper in my of lifetime. Yeah. And yeah. probably, you know... Easy. Uh, the extra kind of 10, 15 years you guys have got on me watching Burnley. Just incredible performance, the amount of saves and a couple of them saves in particular, just spectacular. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, Heats was my honourable mention for that position. Yeah. Marlon would have oh, been I number mean... two. For me. Okay. <laughs> well, Marlon would have been my number two. Again, same sort of nostalgic, that that era, the, those still, you know, the mitre. The mitre goalkeeping. No, there might be a few like, of them appearing in this selection. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like Peter Schmeichel's, wasn't it? The the Denmark uh, Hummel uh, Hummel jersey. But yeah, it, spectacular at times, Marlon, wasn't he? In that uh, that first uh, that first season, he was at the club. 
good choices. Good choices, I think, both of them. Uh, right, well, I didn't have much to say there, so I'll start off with right back. Um, right back, we've had some good ones. We've had some good ones over the years. Uh, a few internationals in there. But I am going to go with Brian Laws. Um, mainly for sort of nostalgic personal reasons that like when I used to go on Gothorpe with my dad on a Saturday morning, um, when I started going to watch it, Brian Laws was the right back in that youth team. And Keith Newton was the right back in the first team at the time. I say revealing that I am slightly the oldest <laughs> member of this panel by a fortnight. I think I've got on Woody. Um, and, uh, and, uh, Brian Laws came through into that first team, and that was just the change. That was the change from that sort of Keith Newton, Jim Thompson, Billy Rodaway era to these young lads who I've been watching every Saturday morning. Ray Pointer was their coach, the A-team coach on Gothorpe. And, uh, but when I used to go along, it was very different times. I used to actually kick, get to kick in with the team. I'd go in my tracksuit and put my boots on. <laughs> and while they were warming up, I'd, I'd go out. There was no security or anything like that. It was totally different times. Um, and Brian Lords was the lad who would always like, you know, pass me the ball and all that kind of stuff. So personal reasons with him. I was a bit sad when it all went sour for him as a manager. But a great player who went on to have a brilliant career afterwards, obviously, with Nottingham Forest primarily. Um, unlucky, I think, not that, you know, he had another former Burnley player in front of him for a long time for England. Otherwise, I think, you know, Brian Lords might have played, um, you know, Lee Dixon. But I think otherwise, I think Brian Lords might have you know, I'd had a few caps for England as well. So, anyway, that's my choice. Brian Laws for right back. Uh, Woody, who's your right back? Graham Alexander. Even though he didn't play much there at Burnley, and his legs were going by that point, but I think he would have. He, he would under Vincent been the perfect inverted fullback. His ability to be able to kind of move inside, etc. I think in a different era he could have been a, a very different player, but also a consummate professional. Obviously, played until he was 97. You know, probably in an ice bath today as we speak. Um, exceptional skipper. Exceptional penalty taker with a toe bung. Um, yeah, a lot of time. A lot of time for him. Grazer it is. Right. Uh, Greavesy, right back. I've got Gary Parkinson. Um, because, again, quite nostalgic reasons, really. I always, I always like Gary Parkinson um, because... To me, I used to play right back at, at kind of primary school, and the odd time I made the first team at Gawthorpe in the uh, in the, the senior school. Um, but he was just uh, the goal at Wembley. I think was just the kind of the pinnacle of my kind of early years of watching Burnley. I'd seen the championship in '92. You know, we then got to Wembley in '94, um, and I just think he's just a. I think he was, you know. A brilliant player before he came to us at Barton Wanderers and Middlesbrough and obviously everything he's gone through since. But yeah, just for nostalgic reasons, Gary Parkinson and uh, me and a couple of mates for our IT project, which was based around databases, created the Gary Parkinson fan club at Gawthorpe High School. Um, we had a mate who was half all right at drawing who drew some pretty good Gary Parkinson images to use on the merchandise and we put everybody in in our year on the database so they were all honorary members of the Gary Parkinson fan club and he is my choice for right back good choice good choice Chris Borden who's your right back it's it's, it's total coincidence that he's getting the, the best right back that I've seen in my 40 years trips and yeah, uh, yeah. you know just uh 
I just love him. You know, like Sean Dyche spoke long and uh, and often about how he, he was his favourite. And uh, yeah, it just if you if you the, the sort of fortune to be in and around him, you know, that we got to you know the opportunity to to interview him and just you know chat to him at times down at Cawthorpe and uh, about the place. Absolute, just a just a really nice kid, and to see him develop from a really promising, you know, v- you know, very good championship fullback into one of Europe's best. You know, he'll go down as an England legend, you know, whatever people think, just purely, you know, he's in a very select band of scoring in a World Cup semi-final for England. And I know he's going through a few uh, a few struggles on the pitch at the moment, but uh, it just just that cheeky chap, you know, is a you know localish lad from uh, from Berry Ramsbottom way, and never forgot his, his where he's from, his background. Never forgot the people that he he met on the way up, and uh, yeah, loving to. And he hates Rovers. <laughs> there you go. That that crowns it. Good selections, good choices. Right, we can do two centre halves in one. I think um, if we're working our way across the back four. So let's uh, let's start off with uh, Greaves. Who's your central defensive pairing? Steve Davis, Mark Two, and Arthur Naheri. Arthur for the Arthur for the madness. <laughs> These are the ones we and that, want. And that goal at Preston <laughs> North End. And Davis, because I, for me, we've had we've had we have had some good centre halves, and you know Bear last season, and our Bear, but they're all basically just. Pro evolution regens of Steve Davis Mark II. That ability to bring the ball out from the back, tough in the tackle, good in the air. And again, you know, I've I've interviewed him a few times and and you know, he's opened a couple of doors to ex-players who have needed for for projects. Just a really nice bloke. Um, I've forgiven him the kind of fist pump when when he followed Coyle and and they got the win over us because I just think he's a superb player. One of my favourite players growing up again from that very first era of that kind of 1990-91 and onwards team and then coming back after going to Luton, being a coach. Um, yeah, Davis for me, I, I kind of wonder what might have happened if we'd have stuck with Davis when Coyle had left and offered him that job and, and where we'd have been and things like that. But yeah, and Arthur just for the madness, just because <laughs> you never knew what you were going to get with Arthur Nahari. Um And, you know, what what a what a player! What an absolute mad as a box of frogs kind of guy, and then scoring scoring that that mazy little weird run at, at Deepdale as well against Preston. So yeah, Davison Nahari for me. Good choices, Woody. Again, the same Davis for pretty much the same reasons. Um, the reason why we like Bear etc. and your Ekdals and this type of centre off is because of Steve Davis. I can You can picture him in your mind's eye, just bringing the ball and nobody tackling him for no apparent reason. Granted, it was the fourth division, it was bobbling, it was probably at Rochdale, but that's neither here nor there. And my other guy, the other guy is Joe Gallagher. I knew you'd go for Joe Gallagher, I knew it. <laughs> exactly. Just purely and simply, like I wasn't brought up a Burnley fan. I, I went on with Simon and his dad, probably around about 1984 or something. And one of my abiding memories, even though I didn't play much that particular season, but around about 85, 86-ish. And watching this fella who ran quicker sideways than he did in a straight line (laughs) and 
also had this uncanny knack of always setting himself up as if he was doing that Bobby Moore against Pele tackle. Even if he was in the centre circle, it didn't matter where he was in the in the in the, on the pitch. He was always look making looking to make that last ditch effort tackle. But he was no muppet. If you look at his initial career at Birmingham, he played oh, alongside no, Kenny Burns. Exactly, and obviously something car accident, etc. And then it fell to pieces. Went to Paddy on loan, etc., etc. But it's just this abiding memory of that time in the middle of the eighties of just utter shittiness and he just <laughs> epitomized that for me and it, it, it's, it's still a fond memory though still a very oh, fond memory along yes. with some exactly yeah. Uh, yeah yeah no it was i, I, I just knew mm. when i when we were mm. doing this project i thought i bet woody goes for joe gallagher yeah so yeah god you did i went for steve davis as well and my other center off is ben me um I don't have I don't have a huge amount of players from the Dash years, you know. Even though they've obviously achieved more than pretty much everybody else, uh, every other generation of Burnley players. But for me, he he symbolised that Dash team in a lot of ways. Uh, ben me, just that absolute dedication, organisation, solidity. Another player who could fall into that category, as Chris says, of being a really good lad as well, um, and just. You know, I just thought it was really sad the way he left the club as well. Um, and and I would have liked to have seen him stay. At, something always told me he would have stayed in the championship if there had been an half-decent offer. Who knows, you know. But, but I, I think, you know, for a player who came in as a left-back and didn't look that brilliant as a left-back, to be honest, he looked all right, didn't he? But he, he didn't look like he was going to be, you know, the featuring on our all-time left-backs list. Turned turned into a into a top Premier League uh, centre off who's still doing the business now. So and a skipper, you know, a good skipper as well. Chris Borden, who you, who's your two centre offs apart from Steve Davis <laughs> well, from Southampton, obviously. Well, yeah. It's, if any anyone who knows me, my my old time <laughs> favourite claret is Steve Davis. You know, see, I was a centre half when I was at uh, at school and playing for uh, my club Exton Villa, and I used to just marvel at him. He just I see he, he scored goals. He, uh, you know, he was strong as an ox. You know, great in the air, gliding forward, sprayed the ball around like Beckenbauer. He, 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 I think Mick, Mick Wadsworth was when he was Huddersfield manager. I think he, he might be. It must be twenty years ago. Uh, played in one of the, uh, the 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 cup games, and uh, he said he he must be, if not the best, one of the best players. That not played Premier League football. That was when he was having a stint in in midfield, if you remember, towards the the end of Stan's time, and he could have played there. He could have glided through games there, and uh, like Greasy says, you know, just just an all round, just a delightful fella. Four four promotions as player and coach, just legendary material. Isn't it? Rolls so, Royce of a footballer, weren't he? Really? Oh yeah, and. and uh, yeah, number me. me he's, he's, there's no pace in this centre back pairing, by the way. <laughs> Stevie <laughs> Colwell. <laughs> I still right. can't get over the fact that Stevie Colwell's five years younger than me. He's like one of them guys that you when you meet and you, he just if he, he just feels older than you. He talks with like gravitas and has that experience and just commanded respect and it you know no no coincidence that he you know he. He was the the captain of that group of players, that wonderful group of players that gave us 
a most unexpected and still for me, even though the circumstances of what happened with uh, with Owen Coyle a few months later, the most memorable promotion to the Premier League simply because I, it just wasn't possible, was it? You know, the team, uh, you know, that we we gone from losing three nil at Maidstone and six nil on to Hereford to we're going to Old Trafford and Stamford Bridge and Anfield next season, and it's it's just yeah. madness. No, yeah, I don't cry often at football, but I had a bit of a bit of a tear that night. I was just something else, and he was the leader of that of that group in particular. And again, you're one of the nicest fellows you could ever dream of meeting in football. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I met him. I met him a couple of years ago. He's out in Canada now. He works around MLS and he works for TSN uh, Television. In, he works for Canada National and... side as well, doesn't he? I think he has done been in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, and uh, you know, he had a lot of nice things to say about his time at the club, as a, as a lot of people players do. Um, no, top man, good, good, good selection that, and a, a leader of men, wasn't he as well? You know, it's, oh, uh, yeah. they're, they're valuable of those. So yeah, it's Steve Davis is the first one to get uh, all four <laughs> votes. Um, I think all we need to do to get Steve Davis as a guest on this show now is send him a, a copy of this uh, <laughs> this episode and he'll be on yeah. in no time. Um, yeah. And we'll get the wrong we should, one. Yeah. We should do that. We should do that. Right, <laughs> mid, right midfield. Right midfield. Um, we need a left-back first, shall we? Oh, we haven't done left-back, have we? No, we haven't done left-back. Right, you're right. Um, right, okay, I'll kick off on left-back then. Um, funny one, really, because there were a few nostalgic choices there. Um, but they weren't right good. So I couldn't really honestly say that um, as much as I loved shouting whoosh during uh, <laughs> one period of time, I couldn't really put Ray Deakin in my all-time Burnley team. But um, So I went for uh, another of Daesh's boys who I think is probably one of the most underrated of that team uh, or of the teams that Daesh built. Uh, Stephen Ward I went for as, as left-back. That's who I've come for. I thought extremely reliable and hardworking. And one of those players who Dash squeezed every last drop out of, you notice quite a few of them. If you go and look at the Wikipedias, after they finished playing in the Premier League for Burnley, they dropped off rather quickly, quite a few of them, didn't they? But he he, graphed, he were a grafter, converted centre-forward as well, but you wouldn't have known watching him play, uh, play left-back. Um, Woody, who have you got a left-back? John Arley. Ooh, yeah. he's out of left field. Exactly, because I thought everybody, everybody's going to be going 80s, modern, and we kind of miss out a lot of the 2000s era, don't we? And it was just before, obviously, everything came to. And he was probably a little bit unlucky being in that Chelsea side behind uh, uh, both in Bukiyako, or whatever his name was, and Graham Lasso. <laughs> and it was an infinitely more talented left-back than we may have given him credit for. Uh and 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 could play and, and could play a bit, and I, I always remember feeling moderately excited because it didn't feel like we'd got him off the, you know, on the the the, the downward spiral of his career necessarily, and still had something to offer, you know, and a, a reasonably de- decent player, and could probably, given a diff- slightly different side, different manager, probably could have fit in extremely nicely in a in a modern framework as well, in a Martin role. Yeah. Exactly. See where uh, I'm going with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chris, left back. 
I've gone with you, Stevie Ward. Have you? It's like, yeah, it just you think back of the sort of moments that you know that you'll never ever forget, and him lashing that volley in at Chelsea, Chelsea. It's just like yeah, one, yeah. one of them rub your eyes moments, and like, what on earth is going on here? Special goal, and like you say, just you know, so, so you know, it's a seven out of ten every week, if not more. You know, can can you remember many Ricks, Stephen Ward, Med? No, not, not just, many. No. So Mr. Consistent and, you know, Charlie Taylor's rivaled him in that sense, you know, ultimately taking over and, uh, you know, he's, he's had that longevity as well, Charlie Taylor, very good footballer, but uh, I think Ward was a better player. You know, you look at him playing at the level he did with, uh, you know, a decent island side in, in, in the Euros and, uh, yeah, like I say, bizarre how he came, came over from Ireland as a centre-forward and... Uh, you know, just got like Mick McCarthy sort of slowly like dragged him back, left wing, left back, and uh, oh, fabulous, fabulous player, great pro, another yeah, another nice fella. Greasy. I've also gone Ward. It was a real toss up between him and Charlie Taylor, but I I went Ward. Um, same reasons as you guys. The Chelsea goal, especially, um, was the the one that just about swung it. All right, let's go to midfield now. Let's start getting a bit creative. Uh, right midfield, go on, Greavesy. You haven't had much on, on left back there. So start us off with your right midfield or right winger. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a bit kind of, uh, you know, positions are a concept that I don't really uh, abide by. You're a bit like ball, man, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? I've gone Robbie Blake because I wanted to squeeze Robbie Blake in. Oh, that's fair so enough. I've, I've yeah. kind of shifted Robbie out to the right for He's that goal against Man United. That, that, I remember sat in the press box at the back of the North stand and the the stand just shook when that, that when he latched that volley um, in against Man United, it had shook the previous year when we were, you know, picking off the goals that Spurs were ahead in the semi-final. But that to me, that, that Robbie Blake strike and Phil Bird's Burnley's first goal in the pre in the Premier League is something very, very special. Robbie Blake for me, what a character, one of them real characters, you know, bad beat Bob, underpants. I know he's kind of forward or, you know, can play in a few positions. I've gone in for my right midfielder, right winger, Robbie Blake. Would he? Phil Kavner. Phil Kavner. No, there's a a very personal reason for this. There are very personal reasons. Go on, tell people. Exactly. Right. I, obviously, I lived down uh, on the same road as Simon's grandparents, um, but on the other end, there was a there was a guy with a, with a with a young family, and I used to play like footy with him in on my back street playing cuppies. And this other this other guy used to turn up, and I would only be about nine or ten at the time, and there was like three of us would play like cuppies, rushes, or whatever. Um, and I didn't have a, I didn't have a clue who he was. He was slightly better than me. Um, and then one day, <laughs> I, I, out of the blue. He brought me a, a, a full New York Cosmos jersey, a full England jersey, and a Burnley calendar. And I'm like, because I wasn't a Burnley fan then, I went, all right, cheers. You know, like you do as a kid, because it's not your frame of reference. <laughs> you don't really give a shit. And it wasn't until later that I found that he told me it was Phil Kavanagh, et cetera, played for Burnley. I still didn't give a shit. And it was only later that I looked into it, found out who it was, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and that's the reason why. Because I could beat him at cuppies on my back street. <laughs> Still follows Burnley closely, does Phil? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Chris, 
the artful dodger, Glenn Little. Just as you know, again, I mean, I'd squeeze Robbie Blake into any Burnley team for the pure joy and entertainment he gave Burnley fans. But same with Glenn. I don't think anyone had seen anything like him as a as a as a right winger. His frame alone, you know, how tall he was with it and his gait. He was quite sort of uh, you know awkward, you know, not particularly quick, but he tied fullbacks up in knots. Just an absolute genius, and I could sit and listen to him for hours on a on a after a, after dinner circuit. But just just brilliant. Another one we should have on as a guest is Glenn Little. Yeah, great player. I went with uh, Trevor Stephen. Um, that youth team, that same youth team as Brian Lords, that came into the first team about the same time. Um, they were the right side of that of that of that youth team and went in. And Trevor, I think, was. Uh, I don't think there's been a better technical footballer played for Burnley in my lifetime than Trevor Stephen, and he was just really elegant in in a, in the old third division, you know, where it could be a bit rough and tumble still in those days. You play in Chesterfield away on their old ground and places like that, and Trevor Stephen just glided around. We all knew we were going to leave one day. He went to Everton, did great, and he was one of those players where. Uh, you sort of follow the career, don't you? Even though he's left Burnley, there's no bitterness. You, you wear a third division club. You're glad to see one of your players go on. And obviously to do it with uh, with Everton and then uh, Marseille, wasn't it? And, and Glasgow Rangers. Uh, fabulous, fabulous footballer. And uh, another one we, we'd like to have on this show sometime if he'd uh, check his Gmail sometime, Trevor. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Central midfield. Let's do it as a pair. And uh, let's try not to go beyond the hour today. It's fascinating, is this, though? Right, central midfield pairing. I am going for um, a player we've never replaced. Um, John, John Deere. Deere. John Deere. <laughs> <laughs> Just because, you know, absolutely a good footballer. Should have been playing at an higher level. We had a few at that time who you thought could play at a higher level. Absolutely, he was one of them. 100% consistent, seemed like the heart and soul of that, of that team when he was there. A very good footballer, did lots of stuff. Um, and the reason why it became a standing joke that we'd never replaced John Deere is for years we really didn't. You know, he was he was pretty hard to replace. And alongside him, I, I toyed with this one because there were a few different options. We'll get into honourable mentions and so on. There's, there's players, you know, I was very close to going for Brian Flynn. But... Um, I just couldn't have, and I'm not sure I'd play him in this position, but I'd probably play him at sweeper. I just couldn't have a Burnley team of my lifetime without Martin Dobson in it. And I only saw him second time around when he came back from Everton. Obviously, people who saw him before, he was an even better player, but he came back with that experience, played at sweeper behind Mick Phelan and Vince Overson, who, you know, I could have been very boring with this 11 and picked nearly all of that team because <laughs> Overson and Phelan together with Dobson behind them as sweeper, Brian Laws and Andy Wharton attacking as fullbacks was was great stuff to watch. Really exciting. Um, and uh, But Dobbo was just class, just absolute class. He was like, you know, he felt like he was a member of the... He, he really was a royal. You know, he was, he was, he was just... <laughs> he just had this... Oozed quality all the way through. Greavesy, central midfield. I've gone John Deary again because I just I I just think superb. And I've gone AD Heath. I've been a bit kind of naughty and shifted. <laughs> AD Dropped into back the into, hole. 
drop into that kind of number 10 because he was, for me, probably the first big player at Burnley. You know, he'd been at Everton, he'd won everything. I remember my dad telling me that, you know, when we got ADE, look, this lad, he's, you know, he's won stuff with Everton. And we had brilliant players, but he, to me, was the one where you kind of go, bloody hell, this guy's a bit of a bit of a star, really. And I just, I loved watching him. Love watching John Deere. We've been lucky enough to, uh, you know, play against John Deere in a five-a-side tournament um, and have a few drinks with him and, and meet him on several occasions and, and done some stuff with him as well. And again, thoroughly nice bloke. We keep saying this. Um, now in double glazing, which I think shows you the kind of money that was swilling around in that time. A bit like Roger when we had him on, has his own business. He's very successful. Um, middle name, Steele, of course. So I've gone for Guile. With Ad Ethan steel with John Deary, literally in the Ooh. name. That's what I've gone for. So I, I, you know, kind of the midfield that we're probably missing at the minute. A little bit of extra bite and a little bit of experience and now. So that's what I've gone for. He was at the turf against Everton, wasn't he? Watching his two mm. former clubs, ain't she? Out of work at the moment. Wonder if, what he was at, at Goodison in midweek as well. Um, right, who's next? Up? Central midfield, Woody. Go on. Well, there's one player that's played in every single position for Burnley. The only player who's uh, actually appeared in two finals. Um, never worse than six out of ten. Never better than six out of ten. And that's obviously <laughs> Andy Farrell. Andy Farrell. Um, Did play in goal, didn't he? Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Randy Feller, as the goal they never... <laughs> would have you. And it is astonishing to think that he played 257 times. Yeah, yeah. It is, you know, it's quite a career, isn't it? Anyway, and alongside that, just to compliment, obviously, his uh, moderate ability, uh, Stephen Defoe, who arguably in a different era, different legs, as Sean Dash said of him, the most talented footballer he's ever worked with, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we remember that free kick against United. Some of the stuff that he managed to pull off and some of the strings that he pulled were extraordinary in his short spell. And you would have loved to have seen that uh, for slightly longer. But ridiculous amount of names we could have thrown in there. But that's that. Boards, midfield pair. Flair. I've gone with Defoe as, as well. Again, you know, that from that sublime chip against Bristol City to, again, another one of those moments. But, you know, curling in that free kick uh, at Old Trafford and just what is going on here again. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, alongside Wade Elliott, who uh, yeah, somebody picked Wade Elliott. Yeah, yeah, did genuinely play there. Obviously, you know, more renowned as a you know, more of a right right winger, but uh, moved inside and just a fabulous part of that promotion team. You know, Grezer at the base of that midfield, and imagine having Wade Elliott and Chris McCann running at you all day long. They talk about breaking lines in this day and age, and those two, un- unbelievable. But uh, Wadey, you know, magic moments, you know, particularly uh, the goal at Wembley, you know, the lovely story. You know, his dad hadn't been so good and uh, you know, waving at his dad when he'd scored there and uh, used to bump into him quite often in, in, uh, in well, wherever in that area, Manchester, Salford. He was always out and about, loved his bands, loved his music, he used Loved many a chat with Wade about uh, the he loved block party. Uh, I think one well, the drummer was a Bournemouth fan, so he must have known him. A uh, bit of strokes, just new music. I used to I used to uh, tip him off about new stuff, and he'd give me uh, a few tips. And uh, yeah, 
allied to his superb ability, he's weighty in there. Excellent, excellent. Right, left midfield or left winger. Let's start off. Greavesy looks excited about this one, so go on. <laughs> you can't wait. I just saw him just that little bit. Honestly, this is this is probably one of my favourite Burnley players ever. David Ayres, just uh, magical, absolutely magical. Um, now James Trafford's agent, of course, so I don't know if that tarnishes his reputation somewhat, depending on how Trafford finishes the season. But working as an agent, working with a lot of young players, but yeah, just magic, absolutely, you know, him in full flight, just dancing around players, you know. Yeah, I, I couldn't go anywhere else. And I know, he, I think he took the all-time best left midfield slot for a PNE all-time team. You know, big career at Blackpool, big career at Burnley, big career at Preston North End. Just a very typical Northwest footballer. Um, but uh, yeah, for me, a super, super winger. Ooh, David Ayres. Have some of that. Probably earned more money from that Trafford deal than he did from his entire career at Burnley, I would imagine. <laughs> he missed a 10% on that. Um, who hasn't given us a left midfield winger yet? Woody, have you? No. Well, this is arguably the that should be the easiest position because the, 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 the amount of talent Burnley have had there throughout the years has been staggering. So I booked that trend by uh, going with David Ayer's prior um, occupier of that position, Stephen Harper. If you ever wanted this, no, question, no, 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 I'm going, I'm going with Stephen Harper. I'm going with Stephen Harper. The hairdressers my dad used to call it. <laughs> That's yeah. the exact reason as to why. If you wanted a cross between Bobby Ball and Disco Stew, who had one trick, <laughs> if you go on to uh, the, the, the interwebs now and look for Stephen Harper 1996 goal against Brighton, the, was this guy, when, when we had this period of, you know, all these ungainly wingers, you know, people who looked like they weren't trained, the, the, the Waddles and the Letitias who make shit look easy, he made it look Big particularly pickering. hard. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it was it, it looked industrious without ever doing anything. He had no particular pace. All his limbs seemed to move in like, you know, slightly different, you know, ways, means, or whatever. And your dad fucking hated him, Simon. You know, and I remember <laughs> I remember once during the championship season, we'd had a particular argument about him, whatever. And in the first 10 minutes or whatever, he'd just like gone on one of his, I won't say slinky runs or silky for that matter either, and just did that thing where he just flicked it accidentally through somebody's legs, nutmegged him, and passed it into the far right-hand post. And me and your dad had a belly bounce competition on strength of that on the long side, and I won. That's why I've gone for Steve Harper, because I belly bounce your dad three three lots of steps down, down the long side, and uh, that was that. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah. I can almost taste the sarsaparilla tablet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stuck on paper. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, I'm I'm going for for uh, for one from a bit further back. Second and third spells I saw him at Burnley. Leighton James. Um, Taffet. I think brilliant winger. Too. I love watching wingers. Yeah. You know, I, I loved I loved Morley. I loved Terry Cochran. I loved him to bits. He was he was proper tricky sort of George Best style winger, wasn't he? But Taffy playing regularly international in a good Wales team at that time, um, did well elsewhere, came back to Burnley. Just exciting to watch, took people on, proper old school winger, went straight at the fullback and went past him, whipping across. Um, 
ended his career and he deserves eternal credit for coming back to Burnley when they were probably paying him absolute peanuts and playing sweeper in the worst team we've ever had and just helping us to try and somehow stay in the Football League and stay in existence. But, uh, you know, one of those players who came to the area as well and sort of made it his home in a lot of ways, obviously, you know, a Welshman, but played cricket locally, I think, for Burnley and Reed, if I recall correctly. I played cricket against him once, actually, for Burnley. He was playing for Burnley Seconds. I was playing for Nelson Seconds. And he had a reputation of being a bit of a firebrand, didn't he, like uh, Taffy? And a, a, a bowling one that just pitched sort of middle and off and, unusually for me, got a bit of movement off the seam. And it cut back in and rattled him straight in the box. And he was crouched up in absolute agony. And I got the full verbals every... And bear in mind, I'm like 15 years old at this time. (laughs) I'm getting the full verbals from him. Every profanity you could imagine. But to be fair to him, came in the cricket club bar afterwards and uh, apologised for his language. And I'm not sure sure many people have had the privilege of an apology for the language from... uh, from Leighton James, but brilliant player. He's my left winger anyway. Chris Borden, who's yours? I say they even played for Lower House as well, Taff, didn't they? So, yeah. <laughs> well, cross the divide there. But, uh, I, well, I was going to go easy for, you know, the same reasons that you've already heard and, uh, you know, still bump into him occasionally uh, when he's when he's uh, watching some of his uh, his lads that are, uh, you know, on, on his agency's books. But I'm going to go with a tin man, Ted McMahon. Again, we, uh, you know, I think it nice took him one, on yeah. loan from, from, from Birmingham, 93, 94, towards the end of that season, helped Burnley get into the playoffs. Famous masterclass of shithousery at Wembley, as uh, Stockport had uh, the two lads sent off that uh, you know gave Burnley the, uh, the task of uh, overturning a deficit against nine men and uh, winning promotion. Job done. Unbelievable character. You know, you'd see him... Uh, I think uh, one of my, I think it might have been the first game I actually covered for the Burnley Express. They were at home to Barnet, won five nil. Tony Phillisgirt got a hat trick, and remember that one? Pro- yeah, probably wasn't the uh, you know hugely popular with with Burnley fans. I think the man of the match went to Ted, and Ted come in. He's walking through the corridors afterwards, just going, "The game's fucking bent." You know, he's just upset that that Philly ain't got the the man of the match award and. Uh, yeah, ended up scarpering rather sharpishly. Ninety-five, ninety-six season. It was uh, after, uh, uh, well, it was some sort of uh, ongoing dispute with his uh, with, the a, brief, with an ex-wife. Fell down under, like if that. I recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you'd, you'd see him after he came back, and uh, he was commentating for for another of his old clubs, Derby, that we all remembered him playing in the, those epic cup ties against Burnley and he always took the time to, to chat then and uh, to misfortune with uh, I think he had to have uh, his foot amputated after a some sort some form of accident or other but you know top man top man and what an entertainer yeah absolutely right now down to the business centre forwards two of them were playing four four two, so two strikers um, although Greaves has already sneaked to Robbie Blake and Adrian Heath behind the front line in his <laughs> ultra-attacking formation. So I'm, I'm I'm curious to see who he's got up front. I hope there's a bit of height there, Greavesy. Uh, I've got Mike Conroy because uh, he, he was... Um, I, my mum used to be the uh, deputy manageress of York House Nightclub. And the first ever <laughs> autograph I got was on the back of um, a York House yellow cardboard ticket uh, and Warren Store, the boxer, used to be the bouncer. 
So he wrote to Andrew, best wishes, and Mike Conroy signed it, Mike Conroy. So it's the first autograph I ever had. I wish I still had it. Um, and I've gone with Ian Wright because I just could not believe that Ian Wright had signed for Burnley. And I was dead lucky. I was in my last year at Gawthorpe. I think, yeah, last year at Gawthorpe, and we had a snow day. It was, it was brilliant. It was, you may remember, Chris will definitely remember being at the press conference, but I was at that press conference because Eduardo Abbas, who was the club journalist at the time, worked in the media department, mm. said, look, we're signing Ian Wright. Do you fancy coming? He knew I wanted to be a journalist. So I borrowed a suit. I think I borrowed Ed's suit, actually. I mean, it was <laughs> ill-fitting on him. It was even more ill-fitting on me. And I went down and I was at Wright's press conference, got to meet him. What an incredible character, you know, this huge, huge name. And Stan had convinced him to sign for Burnley. So I've gone Conroy for nostalgic reasons and what a bloody good player as well. What a bloody good striker. And when we did the One Night in York DVD, probably available from the works, um, basement 50p, um, we interviewed him in Australia. I reached out to him and we managed to find somebody at the the Age newspaper in English an English fella who did it, and we organised a camera crew to interview Mike Conroy, and he was just such a nice guy. So Conroy and Wright for me, little and large. That's a good front two, is that? I like that, mm. yeah. Got some cracking goals did Conroy, didn't he, like, on the break. Chris? Mm. I could have picked 50. It's, it's just, uh, yeah, a, a real tough one. Uh, but I've gone for two out-and-out goal-scoring predators. I, th- I think would score at any level, at any time, in the last 40 years. Andy Payton, you know, local lad, yeah. does good, gets released by the club, goes round the houses, 20 and 40 for Celtic, promotion to Premier League with Middlesbrough. You know, I think he was close to signing for City at one stage under Brian Horton. Uh, but just uh, 80, 82 goals, I think, and golden boot in the promotion season and all round, all round, all round good chap and uh, yeah, good to see him uh, doing well with his coaching etc at the moment and on a similar level Charlie Austin and I'd love to mm-hmm. see him play for Burnley in the Premier League just uh, again well he proved he could score at that level scored a bag full for QPR and uh, and Southampton still going I think with, with Swindon Town and off the pitch another of those real you know real cheeky chaps just a real buzz and energy about Charlie just a Cracking lad, cracking lad, and uh, yeah, I was just I was gutted when he left, but replaced by what Volksy, Ingsy, and Barnsley weren't bad, were it? No, no, not at all. Woody, who have you got up front? First one's uh, Stephen Fletcher because um, he was a fabulous player, as far as I was concerned. That coming up into the Premier League, and how the devil we managed to sign him, I have no idea. But all of a sudden, you've got this Premier League, Premier Ready player who had an impeccable touch. He could lay off a ball at a, enough pace to run off the shoulder of a man. You know, was 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 tricky, saw things that other folks didn't, and you would have loved to have seen a good few seasons out of that fella um, in a slightly different era, I think. And um, besides that, and I haven't gone for for Roger. Um, I've gone for I've gone for Ashley Barnes. For primarily because he's actually Barnes for one, if anything personifies <laughs> the last kind of decade or so, it's him. You know, the 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 prime art of shithousery, but the way that he also had his he also had extreme technical ability, and the way that he responded in that championship season last year 
from oddly being not knowing how to play football at the beginning of it to a Vincent style ish number 10 or did a job there. Uh, obviously, on the dressing room, etc. And I don't think there's anybody here who would not have that type of a character in the dressing room and around the place. And a lot of a, a lot of credit has to go to him for where we are currently. The beauty of this is you you wouldn't you wouldn't remove any of our selections. I don't think from any of this. They've all been great footballers, haven't they? It's, it's been cracking. Steve Harper. Yeah, hey. maybe I would remove <laughs> Steve Harper. Yeah, but, <laughs> but um, so. I'm the last. Have you done yours, Greavesy, on this? Conroy and Wright, yeah, yeah. No, of course you have, yeah, yeah. The best right, two, obviously. So I'll finish off up front then. Uh, Billy Hamilton. Can't, got, got to be Billy Hamilton for centre-forward in my lifetime anyway. I mean, just just the sight of him with his socks rolled down, charging, even though it was a big man, charging down the right wing or the left wing. Um, there was a guy who used to sit next to us in the cricket field stand who every time Billy Hamilton headed a corner away would stand up and declare, best defender in the club. Sergeant Major, we called him, this guy. He used to make these pronouncements. Uh, Get up, man. And uh, he was, but, but Hamilton was, uh, scored a lot of goals. Didn't that night at Tottenham where he ran him ragged, Graham Roberts scored the goals for him, but he was uh, <laughs> it was all Billy's work. Just, just the player, you know. You, you think of that yellow away shirt with the little claret and blue bit across the chest. You think of Billy Hamilton, um, 1982 World Cup. I almost forget that England were in that World Cup because, like a lot of us at that time, 12 years old, there were two Burnley players, Billy and Tommy Cassidy, playing for Northern Ireland in that tournament. I were more interested in what they were doing than what what England were up to, really, because Burnley were in the World Cup, and uh, Billy obviously had a brilliant World Cup. There's still, you can still find, you think if you go and Google around copies of like Spanish football magazines where they have their team of the tournament and up front it says W. Hamilton D. Maradona as their front two in their team. So <laughs> I just think Billy Hamilton, absolutely fantastic. Love to get him on this podcast and get him out of his trophy shop in Belfast to, uh, to have a natter with us, but fantastic guy. And then alongside him, somebody who has been on this podcast and was briefly mentioned in, in, in passing there by Woody, but Roger Eli just brought that ground to life when he was playing. He really did. I know we've done a special with him, and if you haven't heard it, go and go and have a listen to it. Some great stories from Roger. But he just came out of nowhere. He was like a dodgy-looking fullback we'd signed or centre half we'd signed from Bury, who didn't look much cop, looked like a backup squad defender who'd come in on the cheap from Bury and turned out to be a player who just electrified Turf Moor. Um, injuries really ravaged his career. If he hadn't have had injuries, I think he'd have had two or three fantastic years at Burnley. Uh, but still a big part of that team that got out of, of the fourth division. Um, I think we'll do honourable mentions on uh, on on Sunday with uh, Justin. Um, and perhaps we can do the manager then as well. Um, because um, we've gone a full hour there of what has been, I think, for me anyway, really enjoyable nostalgia. Uh, I hope people who are of our generations were were nodding along or maybe questioning or maybe wondering why we've left certain people out. It is all personal choice, obviously. But do send us on at BO Podcast on Twitter or on Facebook um, any any names you think that would be in your 11 who haven't been mentioned uh, or send us your whole 11 in if you want. Um, and uh, Justin's going to do his after the Fulham debrief, which is going to be uh, going to be very Christmassy, very close to Christmas, isn't it, all this? Um, but yeah, Fulham game coming up. We'll have a debrief on that. And uh, 
thanks very much indeed for joining us. I hope uh, the younger fans as well, who perhaps don't know some of all these names, might have uh, learned a little bit about our wonderful, rich history. And it really is. It just shows what, what a great club we all support. Going through tough times at the minute, but there'll be memories uh, made this season and in years to come as well. All the best. Have a good weekend and up the Clarets.